G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. 2020, bringing a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Weekdays on UCB's Vision Radio Network. Find out more at vision.org.au. Hello, it's Neil Johnson. Welcome to today's 2020 podcast from the Vision Radio Network. You can hear 2020 weekdays on Vision from 10am Australian Eastern Time. There's plenty of talk over the past few years about legislation in Tasmania that goes against everything that Christianity teaches and stands for. Despite constant attacks on the Christian church and Christian commentators to stay out of affairs of state, the body of Christ in Tasmania has joined together to make a powerful statement to the state leaders. The Salamanca Declaration is a joint statement signed by the leaders of the major Christian churches in Tasmania and was tabled in Parliament yesterday and supported by the Speaker of the Parliament, Michael Polly. Dr. Andrew Corbett is one of the co-authors of the declaration, and he's on the line now with Matt Gees. Andrew, can you explain for us firstly exactly what is the purpose behind this declaration? Well, in Tasmania at the moment, Matt, we're facing as a Christian community perhaps one of the most vigorous onslaughts of attack against the values that we in the Christian community hold dear. And there are currently... Uh, pieces of legislation before the Parliament right now that uh, have provoked this response from a, a united church leaders and Christian community. Uh, it's, it's an extraordinary thing, and it's because the government has instigated this this onslaught. Never before in our history have we had so many foundational Christian values under attack. Okay, so what brought about the idea of putting together this particular declaration? The, the idea has come about because uh, individually churches have responded to some of these measures, but it was felt that by combining and bringing together not just small networks, but to, to work over the last six months to actually bring the entire entire Christian community as represented uh, as represented by each of the major denominational uh, leaders that that would carry far more weight in the public square and particularly before the government as well so this is this is why the Salamanca declaration which was a document that was uh, co-authored by uh, up to five people and then put out for discussion among church leaders was a process that took over six months. So over that process of six months, what were some of the key points that you wanted to make sure were included in this particular declaration? We in the Christian community often assume that we have fairly significant differences with each other, when in fact we actually share the common Christian values. And it was fairly easy to identify those, and those are expressed with the three words, life, liberty and legacy and the idea is that there is the sanctity of life which is under direct assault where we have some of the most radical abortion laws anywhere in the western world being proposed for Tasmania. 
We also have, again, euthanasia, which was discussed only a matter of four years ago here, and it was well and truly knocked out of the ballpark by the parliament then. But this is almost legislation by fatigue. We have people who have a social agenda that is fundamentally non-life, and so the church community wanted to affirm that life is sacred. The other thing embedded in both of those pieces of legislation is the deliberate silencing of any Christian contribution to this debate. In fact, the discussion paper put forward by the Premier and the leader of the Greens, Nick McKim, specifically stated that Christian views should not be considered in this discussion. And we found that extraordinary. And that that impinges on what we consider to be religious liberty, the freedom, the God-given freedom to be able to worship, express your faith as it shapes your opinion of the world. And you should have the democratic freedom that everyone else enjoys to be able to express your views on matters of public policy. And then the final one was legacy. We see that a child is the best legacy any two people can leave the state. And that means that the best welfare, the best interests of a child are upheld when raised by parents who are married, who can provide a low-conflict, stable, loving home. Mm. Now, now, some would argue that... Uh you know, marriage in itself is a great thing and that it's not necessarily just about producing children. So some would argue in that respect that uh, that point itself is, is invalid. How would you respond to that? Yeah, very simply, that marriage between a man and a woman is is potentially able to produce children and where it is not potentially able to produce children, perhaps we're talking about people who are past the age of child-rearing, it, it at least replicates that potential. So where you have people, two people of the same gender, and certainly, Matt, we're not, as some people say, trying to legislate what does and can and can't happen in someone's bedroom. This is That's a completely different matter. What this is about is saying marriage actually is something and it is the wedding of a man and a woman to uh, at least create or replicate the potential for children and the the idea that marriage can be redefined is is exactly the same reasoning behind the idea that you can redefine what a circle is a circle is something not because we've legislated that it's something a circle is something because it is something and if if a square protested that i want to be called a circle we can change the legislation we can even you know enforce this that people must now refer to squares as circles but the reality is it's not and the union of two people and again we're not saying two people can't necessarily in, in this parameter form a relationship. That, that's not what this is about. What we are talking about is what marriage is. Marriage is the union of a man and a woman in the same way that a circle is round and a square 
as four sides. Mm. One of the other arguments that's been put forward in regards to the uh, the declaration, Andrew, is the fact that none of the signatories were women. I, I believe it was a, a pro-rights uh, movement that made that comment. And I think that is an interesting point, is that the heads of churches uh, that have signed this document are all men. Um, what sort of support have you got from the, the female sector of uh, the churches yep. in Tasmania? Yep, very good question. Matt, that, that's actually a straw man argument. It, it actually has nothing. That, that comment from some of the critics of the Salamanca Declaration has actually nothing to do with any of the points that the Salamanca Declaration is making. But having said that, the simple fact is that if there were women heads of churches in Tasmania, they would have signed this document. Uh, the, the reality is we had to work with the heads of churches that we were presented with. Now, what that means is after the heads of churches have signed it, and, and every major head of church has signed this document, that it was, it was then made available uh, to people to sign up. Now, I can, I can tell you that more... Than, than half of the signatories already are women, more than half. So, so that, that comment that none of the signatories are women is, is actually patently not true because, as I say, as we stand at the moment, it's, it's possibly as high as 60% of the signatories right now are women. And the, the idea that this is against a woman's rights is, is, again, foundationally not true. In fact... This is about protecting not only the rights of women, but the rights of human beings. And, and the most foundational right of any human being is the right to live. Now, Andrew, uh, yesterday this document was tabled in Parliament. You presented it to the Speaker of the Tasmanian Parliament uh, around lunchtime, and it was then tabled uh, by the opposition in Parliament yesterday afternoon. Pretty significant, the fact that uh, it was actually managed to get tabled by an opposition motion. It had the full support of the Speaker of the House, who's a member of the government, who's actually... It's this government that's proposing these non-life policy agendas, and it was at his instigation that he invited the most senior member of the opposition, uh, Mr. Reen Hitting, to sponsor the tabling of the Salamanca Declaration. The Salamanca Declaration, in, in that instance, then has to seek leave of the parliament, of both, both parties, uh, major parties, uh, all three parties, actually, in Tasmania, to be able to table that document. That leave was granted that the document has now been tabled, which means it's now a parliamentary document. It enjoys parliamentary privilege and it has been received by both sides of the parliament. So, yes, it, it, that is not a small thing. It is, as you say, a, a very significant thing. We believe it's a, a very historic thing as well, Matt. Mm. Where to from here, Andrew? What's the next step with the Salamanca Declaration? The next step is for people to go to believeintasmania.com and actually sign up. So similar to what we have with the American Manhattan Declaration, which essentially is very similar to this, where people, uh, after the heads of churches signed up, it was opened up for people to sign up. And essentially what's happening is a, a movement of like-minded people being created. Now, on the website, believeintasmania.com, the leaders of churches 
had their names and positions and the, and the churches and the networks that they represent published. But people who sign up as ordinary citizens, so to speak, their names won't appear, so anonymity is given, and they can have an option to be kept informed with what we're doing with this document. And we're, we're trying to bring what we would consider to be positive affirmation. Would the church has really been put in a defensive posture, and this is our attempt to not only defend what we see as foundational Christian values, but also affirming things that are in the, as the document says, in the common good of all Tasmanians. So where to from here? We, we want people to go to believeintasmania.com and to sign up in support of the declaration. Fair enough. Andrew Corbett, one of the co-authors of the Salamanca Declaration, thanks very much for your time. If people want to know more about it, uh, there's a link at our website. Just go to vision.org.au, follow the links to the 2020 page, and uh, you can see just what is happening with the Christian churches combining together in Tasmania. Like what you've just heard? There's more great podcasts, or you can listen to us live at vision.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation of any amount will help us continue connecting faith to life. Learn more or donate today at vision.org.au.